welcome to the Course in the Chaos. My name is Blake. I'm joined, as always, with Jack and Grayson. Uh, we are moving right along in our series, uh, back for the second half of uh, Season 2, Common Struggles of the Christian Life. Uh, this week's episode, we're going to be dealing with kind of a broad topic, uh, but hopefully we'll be able to give you some biblical pointers, because uh, this may be a wrestle point for you. Uh, the fear of God versus the fear of man. What does that look like? What does proper fear look like? Uh, we should say, just to begin with, um, a little bit of clarification. Uh, as we're talking about fear of God and fear of man, uh, there are realms of authority where fear is good, and those realms are instituted by God. So as we're talking about things like, uh, you know, fear of man, what we don't want to do is cross those over with those good fears that God has instituted. So for example, uh, Romans 13 tells us that if you do evil, you should fear the government. When the government is working properly, it is to reward good and punish evil. So that is a good fear to have, right? Uh, that would be a fear that would uh, uh, stem some of your wickedness, I guess. Uh, Leviticus 19.3 tells us uh, that each man needs to fear his mother and his father. Uh, and so, again, there are uh, areas of respect. Um, I think we've, we've kind of talked about this and mentioned it in other podcasts, mm -hmm. too, that uh, I can't count how many things... Uh, Wicked things I did not do growing up because I didn't want my parents to kill me. Right, <laughs> so, uh, so you know there was so there was a there was a healthy uh, fear there, uh, you know, and of course there is those natural fears uh, for the preservation of life. Fear is the thing that keeps you from you know running over the edge of a cliff uh, or doing stupid things. Mm -hmm. So now that we've kind of thrown a lasso around those areas, really we'd like to set those aside and talk about what it means to fear God and what it means. Uh, as opposed to fearing man. So, Grayson, we'll go ahead and let you uh, take it away. This is a beautiful outline that Grayson set up for us, uh, and so we'll let him run with it. Sure. Well, as Blake mentioned, when we're looking at how the Bible speaks hey guys, to the idea hang on, of hang on, fear, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, real quick. I got to do something. I'm going to slide this up. Oh, that's right. Special announcement. Oh, this is right. <laughs> um, now, I can't see it. It's not in my vision. No. Is it in yours? I'm assuming oh, there we that go. he's showing there the full book. Yeah, yeah right. so <laughs> so <laughs> it's a Kleenex box there from you the go. hotel. That's yeah. what it yes, that's what it is. Uh, yeah. again, we've done this the past couple episodes here, but we've got a special book donated to us by a very good friend of the podcast, Heart of the Reformation, 90-day devotional uh, on the five solas. Uh, later in the episode, we will give you a decoder word, a secret word mm. or phrase. Mm. First person to plug that in the comments of the YouTube video. We'll reach out to you, and you get a free copy of this book in your mailbox. Indeed, yeah. At some point, and, in and the it will future. not be it will not be the Christmas story. Don't forget to drink your Ovaltine. It'll be something different. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> That's right. The That's decoder right. word. Yeah. 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 So, also, um, Blake, do you do you want to share anything just to let the listeners know about your current situation in case you say something off the rails tonight? Oh yeah. Well, that could be that could be any night. <laughs> Wait, I could use this as an excuse the entire. No, uh, so uh, no, a little down with the COVID right now. So recovering uh, from that. So brain's a little uh, more foggy than it normally is. So yeah. yeah. So 
You get a free um, pass just, tonight. Yeah, right. You say whatever you want. Just blame the COVID. But oh. luckily, it's only two weeks to uh, to uh, take the edge off the curve or whatever. You know, so. Hey, oh, there, there you, you go. go. Yeah. There you Can go. you imagine if you just walked around and you're like, oh, I'm sorry. That was that was the Rona talking. My bad. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but the president says it's over in two weeks. So it's, yeah. it's good. We're good. So we're good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Well, starting good yeah. already. Yeah. Speaking of yeah. Rona. So what we were beginning to talk about, though, is just how the Bible speaks of the idea of fear. Um, I actually did a little bit of a word search on this as I was just preparing some sermon stuff earlier in the week. But I, I, I remember also when I first came to faith, I literally had a Bible that I had read. And um, the second time through that I was reading, I underlined every aspect of fear that came up in the Bible. And what I remember was that, I, I mean, I used a pink highlighter because I'm super manly, of course. And <laughs> there were so many different pages that were, I mean, pink all throughout it. Um, when you do a word search of something like this, the topic of fear or afraid or any of those variants comes up over six to 700 times in mm. the Old and New Testament. It's it's spoken to in Scripture a tremendous amount. And as Blake mentioned in the beginning, there's there's a few different ways in which the Scriptures primarily will speak of fear. There is a healthy type of fear, right? There's the fear of the Lord. There's those healthy types of fear within those fears of proper authority. Uh, but there's also a sinful type of fear. And that's where I would say there's a fear of um, pretty much anything else outside of those basic categories, right? So you could have a fear of what may be, you could have a fear of man, you could have a fear of your finances falling through, whatever that may be, um, a fear that's outside of those realms of authority that God has established or um, outside of God himself typically will end up being something that ends up being in that sinful realm of fear. Mm. Um the problem with this is we live in an age of what I would say is the therapeutic, right? Fear is one of those socially acceptable sins, as Jerry Bridges would put it. And what happens is you tell people that there's such a thing as improper fear, that it's actually sin because we're commanded, do not be afraid. And mm -hmm. what happens? I mean, all hell breaks loose, right? Um, what I would contend, though, is that we have a fundamental misunderstanding of what fear actually is, how we are to understand it. So... When I say all that, notice what I haven't said so far. What we're not claiming is that you'll never have times where you're afraid, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, we're also not saying there aren't proper reasons to be afraid. Blake mentioned those right. right at the beginning of the podcast. Fear is a healthy thing in one sense that keeps you running headlong off of a cliff. It also keeps you from doing all sorts of other stupid things. Um, what we've also said, though, is that fear is not something that necessarily will magically just go away. If you put into practice the things we'll talk about today, or if you're putting in your basic spiritual disciplines, that doesn't mean you'll never be afraid. What it means, though, is that when we look at the topic of fear, at least how Scripture treats it, it actually treats it pretty simply. Um, suffice it to say, the fear of the Lord, the proper realms of authority, those basic elements of fear that God has given us to instill basic survival skills, uh, those are the things that we would say are proper types of fear that the Christian is to have and to navigate this mm -hmm. life wisely. Outside mm -hmm. of that, though, is where we start to run into issues. So all I'm trying to say at the very beginning here is that we have to establish a baseline. We have to understand there are legitimate forms of fear, but we also have to understand that the fear of the Lord and everything that he has spoken to in his word um, 
specifically are proper types of fear. Everything else outside of that would be things we would say ought to be rooted out, things that we mm -hmm. ought to put to death. Mm -hmm. Now, today, we're not going to tackle the topic of fear so broadly speaking as to get into every single different category. What we do want to focus on, though, is what Blake said in the beginning. We're talking about the fear of man. And so what we're looking at in that specific reference is we're, we're juxtaposing these two different ideas. There's a fear of the Lord and the fear of man. And this is a topic that comes up well over, I want to say, two to 300 times in Scripture if you were to do a search hmm. on that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's good. Let's talk about the fear of lions. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's all I was thinking about the whole the whole time you were talking, Grayson. Fear of lions. COVID, yes. COVID, COVID clearance up the Detroit again. lions. <laughs> <laughs> Which no one fears. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That's pretty funny. <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> it just immediately goes off the rails. So we're like, okay. Yeah. I, now, uh, I don't, I don't so that's pretty funny, though. Picking back up on that, though, I mean, if I gave a simple definition of the fear of man, um, what I put in the outline is it's pretty broad, but what I would say is the fear of man is an inordinate trust in the sovereignty of mankind over and above the sovereignty of God. I mean, as a basic definition, what are your thoughts on that, guys? No, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think that's good. pretty on. Well, what are some? What are some? Um, I forgot what I was going to say. Hang on a second. I had a question. I lost it. I was thinking about. I had a question that I was thinking about what you asked, and my thoughts like collided in my brain, and then I ended up with nothing. He got back. Maybe to I've got COVID Detroit too. Lions. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! You've got COVID too. <laughs> I started thinking about the Detroit Lions. And yeah. I don't know. I lost my thought. Oh, that's what I was going to say. So the fear man. So. It might be good, but I think your definition is really spot on. Uh, but it might be good to frame the struggle a little bit. Um, because I, and I'll say this from my perspective. I don't think the fear of man was something I really understood the breadth of it until I got further along in the faith. Does that make sense? Like, I, I could understand the fear of man is, but... There were times that I would have fear of man. I'd be fear, fearful of a, of a particular situation or something going on when it was unfaithful on my part. Like I was demonstrating in, in unbelief, but I was a relatively new believer and I didn't understand that this would be categorized a fear of man. So sure. uh, maybe just throw that out there. What do you guys think would be – how does this struggle play out for, for kind of the average Christian? Yeah. The first thing that comes to my mind is uh, sharing the gospel. Mm -hmm. um, the, the gospel uh, is every Christian's work. Um, and to resist, to resist giving the gospel because you're afraid that um, someone will think uh, strangely of you uh, or that you'll, you know, that you'll miss a, a, an opportunity at work. You know, if you're, if you're that guy, um, that you, you know, might cause, uh, you know, a rift in the neighborhood of the family or, or whatever, you know, obviously to be tactful, you know, and things like that, but anything that keeps you from doing something that God has told you to do, uh, for fear of repercussion from man is kind of yes. is how I would, is how I would, uh, define it. 
And there's, I mean, there's a lot, I mean, sharing the gospel. I mean, that's, that's lots of, I mean, there's lots of things like that. I mean, for, as a pastor, um, you know, you're constantly, you know, having to check with yourself that you're not being a, uh, a people pleaser, um, you know, uh, and, and things like that, that ultimately you're accountable to God before you are, uh, anyone else. Um, I think, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to hog it. Uh, societally, I mean, to take a bold stance, uh, against a lot of these, uh, social, or, um, um, not social, um, yeah, social, uh, perversities and things like that, uh, to take a, to stance against that, particularly for the man in the, in the, you know, workplace and, and things like that. Um, I've heard of, I've heard of people that have wrestled with, um, feeling like they need to call like a, like a coworker out for uh, blasphemy, like that a coworker is using God's name in vain a lot or something like that. And that they hesitate to say something because they don't want to, you know, either again, cause a rift or sound or sound strange or, or something like that. So again, there's a lot of, there's a lot of areas at least that come to mind immediately. Well, you guys probably I, have some too. I'd love, I'd love to hear yours. I was going to say, I think of even within the terms of your own relationship with your spouse, right? I mean, think of all the different things that can come up over a myriad of years that are yeah. issues of sin that just need to be dealt with, or not even necessarily issues of sin, but just different areas where faithfulness needs to be strengthened um, out of fear that you'll cause hurt feelings or, um, mm. demonstrate perhaps a lack of love, even though it wouldn't be a lack of love. You can shy away from the full truth on something. Um, regular mm. confrontation that happens in the church all the time, I mean, on a small level, you can, for the sake of sparing somebody's feelings, and even under the cloak of unity, not deal with present issues that actually are causing disunity. Right. I think of the early church's problem, too, of uh, favoring like the wealthy, for example, like within oh, yeah. the church, yep. you know, yeah. and you yeah. think you, you think about those kinds of things. It's, you know, you're, you're assessing like, well, would I let this individual, would I let them have a, a buy on something because I don't want to rock the boat? You know, yep. again, I'm thinking, right. I'm thinking pastorally or even, or even just the, the, the common Christian. So you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff there. Jack, what, what kind of things do you see like in your realm of, um, like in your realm of work, because obviously Grace and I are both, you know, uh, pastors full time, you know, employed kind of area. Um, but as far as like being in the secular workplace, mm -hmm. what are some challenges that you see in this realm? Yeah, it's, uh, man, so much. A lot of what you guys said, there's a, there's a fear of man and a fear of responsibility that I try and balance. Mm -hmm. Um, because if I, for, for example, if I just went off the rails and started preaching to on every single phone call I had <laughs> right, right, my company, right. I wouldn't have a job. Yeah, this is yeah. my opportunity um, that the Lord has given me, and I'm going to take <laughs> it. Right, yeah, right. So there, there's a there's a balance of that. Right. Um, and it's been, you know, I've been in the secular workplace my entire uh, career life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's hard. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's a struggle. It's a struggle to find that balance. Um to share the gospel, uh, to be a light to people, but to balance it such that I don't like ruin my job. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And that's, um, yeah, that's, and that's, yeah, that's an interesting way to, that's an interesting way to put it because there is like, I'm, even in my own mind, I'm trying to piece together right now. What does it look like 
to what does it mean to properly balance like obviously you're not going in to your secular job and just preaching all the time but then simultaneously you're not trying to hide the fact that you're a christian like there's like this strange like fine line it's a balance yeah right right and i i don't i don't know that i've mastered it but what i found personally and you know this would be an interesting thing i don't know that we've done this but if you're listening to this in the comments of the youtube i'd be curious what people have to say here like how do you do that Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, i i don't know that there's a one size fits all here what I found that works for me, because I end up managing people, I've managed people for a lot of time, for a number of years now, and in like big corporate kind of conference room settings, it just doesn't seem to work. But right, I end up yeah. having, but I end up having one-on-one meetings oh, with sure. a lot of people that work for me, sure. and those those tend to be the most productive times when when and I, and I really, as I get to know people that work for me. I, I try to invest in them. Like I try and I care about them. Hey, what do you, right, right. what's going on in your life? What do you, you know, trying to understand who they are. And, right. and, and throughout, throughout, through those conversations, a number of times it's, it's come up with, with gospel situations times to, right. To share yeah. the, the love of Christ and, yeah. and such. So I think you probably I would say that's, that's how I've done the balance. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's, I think you probably hit I, it. I think you probably yeah. hit it though, particularly on that, on the personal on the personal level that if you're a right. checker at, you know, if you're a checker at Walmart, you're not grabbing the microphone and attention, everyone in the store, <laughs> repent and believe the gospel. Though that would be a great way to go out if you're planning yeah. on quitting, oh, you know, uh, but, but, but those one-on-one relationships that you establish uh, in that kind of mission mindedness, um, if you're taking those opportunities you know, then great. If you're shunning those opportunities for the fear of what a coworker might say or think, or, or even for fear of, you know, losing your job, uh, then maybe you've wandered off into that fear of Mm -hmm. man kind of aspect. Yeah. You know, another issue here, um, maybe it's a bit obvious, but I do think, I think it's scriptural here. I think the doctrinal element of fear of man, uh, and we've talked about not, not preaching, and I think the, this issue of not being forthright. I think I think we see this in the church a lot. And Blake, you alluded to it with being, you know, in ministry, kind of being man pleasers. Yeah. There is such a prevalence now in so many churches to not preach sin and hell. Mm-hmm. Sure, as example, because sure. people don't like hearing it. Sure, um, but you know. <laughs> That's you, you can't have the, the gospel is in the is the deliverance from the wrath of God. You like you have right. to have that. Right. Jesus preached on hell extensively. Right. Um, so, but I, but I think that's something we see in the church today is just this prevalence to ignore those issues. Mm-hmm. And currently, in fact, I'm I'm thinking about this. Just two or three days ago, I saw a Joel Osteen TikTok real thing. I don't know. What, <laughs> those are words the, that I hope never come out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whatever the, whatever the thirty second videos are. Right. Um. I hope I've never seen a TikTok. I'll just say that. No, you have. See, I'm. I've, like I've seen the way it works. Is anything yeah. you see that's a reel on Facebook or Instagram is just right. an old TikTok. So you're just like right. you're the you're yeah. the boomer essentially watching. Yeah, you're watching on a platform. Yeah, you're watching you're like, two week TikTok. You're film. watching two week old TikToks on yeah, Facebook some, like a respectable yep. adult. So there's exactly. no shame. Some in guy that. filming yeah. it on his phone, right. yeah. filming right. the screen, and then, <laughs> then uploading. You it. see the lines on the screen. Anyway, that's how you know right. it's legit. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but so, so I'm in Houston right now for work, 
And earlier tonight, in fact, I posted it on the Facebook page. So if you see that, you can figure out what day we're recording this. I, I was in the back of an Uber coming back to the hotel, and I drove right by. Oh, that, so that was uh, your Lake, photo. You got the yeah, I, picture. I, I was like, hey, there it is. There's Lakewood Church. Right. And I snapped a photo of it, kind of chuckled to myself. But just a few weeks ago, I saw a video where the, somebody was interviewing Joel Osteen. I think it was an older interview, just by the way he looked. But they were asking him, and I'm paraphrasing, um, but something, why don't you preach on hell? Right. And he said, he essentially said, he summed it up. He goes, well, it doesn't make people feel good. He goes, we like to encourage people. We want people to leave there feeling right. really encouraged about themselves. Yeah. That's exactly the issue. Well, right? that's it. Exactly we like to encourage the them out of hell, actually. Yeah. I remember yeah. that old Stephen Lawson clip where they're oh man, that was a, asking, what, a, what an oh, absolute banger! Just a banger. Yeah. We need to share yeah. that on the page. That's been a yeah, while we since do. we've shared that. Yeah. yeah, they're asking Joel Osteen, "Well, what do you believe on this, and what do you believe on that?" He's like, "I don't know." And of course, yeah, he gets to right. Lawson. He's like, "We need men who know the truth." It just yeah, yeah. Only like Lawson could do it, but, but there's <laughs> yeah. there's that boldness that yeah. And Osteen will yeah. never have because he literally is afraid of men. He's got to keep butts in the pews yeah. to keep the money flowing in. Right. And in the Got to stuff those walls. And in the yeah, walls, exactly. yeah. yeah. <laughs> that sweet, sweet Lakewood insulation. You got to yeah. your, pay your plumber somehow, right? <laughs> yeah. I think about uh, Galatians 1, 110. Paul says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Mm. Or am I still trying to please man? Mm. If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Amen. Yeah. Just thought of, that's a serious thing. That's, anyway. That's a Paul Mike drop moment. That is a Paul Mike drop moment. Imagine if he ended the letter there. That would that's like verse ten. <laughs> it's like okay. I don't feel encouraged at all. Yeah. 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 Oh foolish Galatians. What are the um when we were talking about the fear of man, I, I actually like what uh, what Grayson put down here, uh, the kind of fear uh, that takes shape when you're fearing men. Like, what is it exactly that you are fearing about man? And I love that uh, little list that Grayson had put together here, uh, that one could harm you or your loved ones physically, even to the point of death. So fear uh, that a person can ruin your reputation that you could get fired from your job, uh, that they could take your possessions from you, uh, that they could take away your freedoms, that they could force you uh, to do unconscionable things. Great use of that word, Grayson. Well done. Thank you. Uh, and uh, the list goes, you know, on and on. Uh, but those specifics, I mean, look at how you know applicable mm -hmm. each of those things are, and all of the little offshoots. Uh, so when we're talking about again. The fear of man. This is something that I think at some point, at least, every Christian struggles with. Yeah. In one way or another. Absolutely. I think no matter who you are, at least if you're brutally honest with yourself, um, I think it could be a repeated struggle. And what I mean by that mm. is not that you just indulge it or give into it all the time, but there's always that temptation to think, what if? Right. What if this causes a lack of my reputation? Right. I'm ostracized from my, my neighborhood, my workplace, whatever the case might be, because we mm -hmm. all have those different things that come up, different scenarios where we have an opportunity to either speak to the truth or shy away from it. And it's right, right. most of those little decisions that I think will inevitably right. snowball into the big things. Yeah, right, right. And just like in your opportunities to do the right thing, 
I mean, because a lot of that's what we're talking about is in the workplace in particular or your home or whatever to do the right thing. And then the consequences that come from doing the right thing are not things that we should fear. Those are things that we should leave in God's hands. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes we look at it and say, okay, well, if I do the right thing here, like if I don't do some shady business, like my manager's asking me to do, then I'll lose my job. And then I won't be able to pay my bills and feed my kids. And we're going to have all these problems. I'll lose this, you know, 20 year career that I've had or, you know, whatever. Um, all of that is taking the sovereignty of God, like realms of sovereignty of God for doing the right thing and letting the cards fall where they may, and then placing it in the hands of a person who you perceive can do more damage to you than God can do good for you. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's pretty, pretty good. Interesting stuff. Yeah, that's an excellent way of putting it, Blake. Yeah. Full disclosure, I don't remember what I just said. <laughs> that was, uh, the, I blacked out there for a second. Right. That was the Rona talking. That was, I'm sorry. Guys, that was the Rona. Is the Rona in the room with us right now? It is. It is. <laughs> Very astute comment, Roman. Rona. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever seen that episode of Parks and Rec when, uh, <laughs> when uh, the main character, she has the flu? And she has to give this big speech. Oh yeah, yep. Have you ever seen that show, Blake? I've seen it. I, I don't. I don't remember that. So the flu's going around, and yeah. she and she's like, "I have to give this big speech." You're like, "No, you yeah. have to go to the hospital." She sneaks out of the hospital. She's got like oh, a okay. fever. Yeah, she's yeah. out of her mind. But then it's like the as soon as she steps up to the mic, <laughs> she just like delivers. Like, oh yeah, pro- yeah, like you'd never oh, know yeah. she. Had oh delivers. right, right. Funny That's thing. the same one where uh, um, the, I can't remember his name, Chris Pratt, who's Andy. He mm-hmm. ad-libbed a line where he's like, Leslie, I think you're – I checked your symptoms on WebMD, and it says you've got network connectivity issues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> it's like the best line in yeah, all of right. <laughs> That's what I've got going on right now. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought of a text that I thought might be helpful here. Um, and, I'll, and I'll share this as just kind of contrast fear of man and fear of God. Um, so as I was doing some reading today, so it, uh, Exodus one, there's an, there's a really cool story about that, that doesn't get talked about a ton about the oppressiveness of Egypt upon Israel. And essentially if you look yeah. at Exodus one and I won't read the whole thing, but I'll summarize it. Pharaoh is commanding these midwives to kill all the male children. Mm-hmm. And he's scared. He's basically scared of an army coming up. So mm-hmm. Pharaoh is fear of man. Like he's fear. He's the most powerful man in the world, but he's extraordinarily fearful of right. these of these Israelites in this army. So he says yeah. to these midwives, the irony in the text is mm-hmm. is astounding. Yeah. Yes it is. Yeah. So so k- kill all these, right? But the midwives it says that they fear God and they like don't do it. Right. And there's an interesting note there. I love how you don't even know the pharaoh's name like it just says a pharaoh that came after that didn't know Joseph. Mm-hmm. But we have the names of these two women. Like that, these two like head midwives that would that honored God and like, well, no, we're not right. doing this, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And it just contrasts. They stood up to the most powerful man in the world and be like, no, right? Yep. No, we're not going to do that. Yeah, the most powerful a man in the world who is afraid of the most helpless little yep. creatures in the world, a baby, you know, who gives instructions to these two women who refuse to obey the most powerful man in the world who's scared. Of the little babies. <laughs> yeah. There's also just a, a, yeah. a wonderful commentary on the reality of every pharaoh that ever lived, right, was trying to 
build his renown and be remembered in history. And yet mm-hmm. here you have these two faithful midwives that are obscure yeah. in the eyes of Pharaoh and the rest of this world, yet they are recorded in the annals of scripture for all of time. And Exactly. Right. I mean, yeah, they'll never beautiful. be forgotten. Yep. Yeah, it is. Yep. Absolutely. Good stuff. All right. Sorry, I derailed us here. I was thinking about no, that. that's where good. Are we no, the, where we you actually brought us back on track. We were Did talking about okay. something else. <laughs> um, Parks oh, and Rec? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, that was my fault at this yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> but if you think, think about it. You guys it, have coronavirus, um, too. Maybe we all do. Everybody has the Rona. That's a hot take. That's a hot take, yeah. That's well, if you haven't had episode. it at this point, you would have been <laughs> right. basically yeah. under a rock. So, Yeah, something. Yeah. Jack's uh, got think, a punch card going. He's had it so many yeah, times. He's, yeah. <laughs> I actually had it. I was positive the last time we recorded. I was just like on the back end. Like I wasn't sick anymore. So, right. You know, I got to a point. I didn't feel actually, the need to broadcast it like Blake over here. Yeah. Well, I mean, you no, literally, we were literally going, brought it up. And you were like, saying, oh, Blake, I know. Blake, hey, Blake you got anything you want to say? In case you say something <laughs> dumb. <laughs> yeah. Which I appreciate. Yeah. Yeah, because now I just feel so much more free than I normally yeah. do. I was just looking and out for you, man. For me, there was yeah. actually never a point where I I got a test to see if I had it or not. I just kind of, wow. I'm like, well, I'm sick, and uh, I bet you this is probably yeah. it. But I don't care enough yep. to go and get it. So you've had that Schroeder. You've had that Schrodinger's uh, COVID as well. You've had yes simultaneously COVID and not COVID. Yeah, yes. right, right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If it comes out of yeah. its room, it might be COVID. <laughs> right. <laughs> if not, well. Well, yeah. yeah. So I think where we left off, though, was um, we talked about some different ways that fear can take form as far as the fear of man. But there's also more innocuous ways that it could take place as well. Right. These are ones that I think that we don't typically think of. But Blake, you raised it right in the beginning where we talked about just speaking the gospel to our loved ones. Uh, friends or everything else and some of the reasons why we might not do that is out of fear they'll reject us but also mm-hmm. um there's some plain categories of authority in our everyday lives where this can still creep up so uh, as a pastor i think about it in one respect of submission to your elders right that's a plain command given out of second peter um, mm. but you might fear that they'll lord it over you and so i know people that have gone from church to church because for some of them right they've had legitimate past issues uh, but they'll always hold that over a new church because they're waiting sure. for that shoe to drop sure uh, waiting for that next person to fail but i also think of it in the realm of finances right we're we're continually um urged in the new testament to give with liberality but some of us might hold back that we have fear that we won't have enough, or there's even that more insidious reality that mm. we're afraid that we won't be able to keep up with the Joneses, so to speak. Um, mm. Then you also talked about the need to submit to governing authorities. I think of this one, this was huge, especially given everything that happened in 2020 and beyond. Um, some might just simply want to reject that wholesale today. They'll look at Romans 13 and say, we have no need to submit to governing authorities whatsoever. Um, out of fear, incidentally enough, that they will become tyrants. And yet, Romans 13 says that they have every right to judge them for that because yeah. their lack of submission. But also there's that... that um, sorry, go ahead. 
No, never mind. No, it's totally off. It's about a <laughs> it's about a meme. Okay. Well, <laughs> so you're talking about the government. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Go uh, on. And then the final one I listed there was just if you have an opportunity to take a take a stand for what's right, um, and that could come up in literally any day of your life where you have innocuous conversations with friends, you have you know water cooler talk in the workplace, you mm-hmm. have an opportunity where. Um, people are asking your opinion on hot button issues today, like abortion or homosexuality. It's, it's very easy for some to just simply yeah. uh, placate or kind of brush that off to the side and move on because we want to talk about different issues. I'm not saying be bombastic, but you can easily fail to take a stand for what's actually right out of fear that you're going to lose some social credit, so to speak. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's well said. Yeah. In uh, so, yeah, in the end, uh, that's the uh, short list of ways that we can fear man, and all those are improper fears. But again, there's a million applications uh, in this in this area. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, we are elevating mortal men well beyond their stature, especially if we consider uh, what God has to say on the matter. Uh, just putting things in perspective, I think of Isaiah talking about the nations or as a drop in the bucket mm-hmm. to to the Lord, you know. Um, but you know, we lose sight of those things, and yep. uh, we we live in the uh, we live in the here and now, and it's so easy to get focused on uh, so narrowly of the grand scheme of things uh, that we're not trusting uh, the Lord with our with our days. Yeah. So, what's the antidote then for the fear of man? I'll take that one. Yeah. What is, is it Jeopardy? Jeopardy, they say, what is? Yes. What is the fear of the Lord? In the form of a question. Yes, in a a question. The fear of the Lord. It's the fear of the Lord. What is the fear of the Lord? Yeah, that's the question. What is the fear of the Lord? (laughs) Then you get into this uh, who's on first situation. (laughs) (laughs) I saw, I read a great quote today by John Murray um, about the fear of God In, in Anyone who's read the Bible is aware of this phrase, the fear of God. It's like Grace said, you mentioned it's hundreds of times in the Bible, mm-hmm. right? But he, but he said, and I love this quote, the fear of God is the soul of godliness. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a great quote. Yeah, that is, that's excellent. Yeah, really good quote. Um, and it involves a genuine trust. Like the fear of God involves a genuine trust of faith in God, of who he is, who he saves. And it begins there. With salvation, and I think there's maybe two kinds of fear of God. I don't. Maybe this is later in the outline, but there's there's I would class in my mind there's kind of two kinds of fear of God. There would be this reverent, holy fear of God, um, or there's there's a I think I think it was Bunyan or maybe Luther. One of these guys broke it up into like a um, oh I jotted it down here. What were the words? It was a Latin words. Put it in my notes here. Oh, servile. I'm probably mispronouncing that. Servile, servile fear. Servile. Versus, uh, filial. Yeah. Servile. Yep. And the verse filial fear. Yep. So this this malevolent um, s- slave master fear, like these people that look at God that way. Ah, fear God that way. Versus the fatherly reverent fear, where we yep. look at God and we look at him as he is the, we, we fear him because of discipline, but we also fear him because we trust him. We love him. He is the source of our security. He's the source of our salvation. He's the true living God. Yeah. So it's a very reverent fear brought and directed up and aimed at God's holiness. Well, I, I yeah. think of that first part, and there's just 
if God is who he says he is, right, he is the infinitely holy God that is a creator of all that has ever come into existence and all that will ever be in existence. He is the one who holds the raw power and the sheer might of his word. Um, there should be a healthy fear of this one who controls the cosmos that tells a speck of dust where to go. So in that reality, it's like you're, you're looking at God with a, a reverential respect of recognizing he has a very authority to do whatever he wills. And I am but a mere mortal man before the infinitely holy God. Therefore I can respect that. I mean, we respect things on every day of our lives. We don't run out into traffic because we respect that a two ton vehicle will crush us and send it to the hospital. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So yeah. How much more so the God who holds all things up by the. Yeah. And, his- and the, it's absolutely Grayson. And this is the thing, the longer I've been in the faith, the thing that frustrates me, I think the most about so much of modern evangelicalism is there, we've lost this fear of God. We have, and we talked, I, I alluded to this earlier. We we're talking about this, this aspect of people don't preach hell. Osteen specifically said he doesn't preach hell in condemnation because it, because it bums his crowd out or whatever. Mm. His, my words, not his. Oh, he probably <laughs> says that. He, such a bummer, dude. It's a real bummer. Such a bummer. Oh, what a such drag. a buzz. What a what drag, buzz can, oh. yeah. Yeah. See, that would be more like Todd White style. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> it would be Todd White. But, but there's, there's something, if you think back throughout the course of human history, and we think about the way that humanity has responded and looked to God, there's been this transcendentness mm-hmm. in the way that we approach God. And somehow in modern evangelicalism, we've just lost that. We've made church too easy, Christ too small, the gospel too shallow. Um, church is not a reverent experience of worship. It's a hangout. It's yeah. a club. It's a, you know. Are you saying that your church doesn't have pajama pants Sunday? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, and what's interesting is when you look in scripture, whenever there's these shifts culturally, it always begins with, almost always, begins with the fear of the Lord. Uh, particularly yeah. when you're looking at those, you know, uh, you know, this king rose up and he did wicked. He, he walked in the ways of his father, but his son feared the Lord and tore yep. down the idols, you know, and like there's always that, that connection of when reverence and fear. And I, and I do think like there's been this on this subject at least from my reading and understanding is it seems like there has been a kind of a cultural pendulum that swings that wants to define the fear of God wholly in that aspect of fatherly uh, fear and not fear, fear. And I think yeah. we need to have a healthy balance of both as yeah. Christians. Oh, absolutely. Um, when you, when you look at, um, people who have an encounter with God in scripture, their response is never, wow, Lord, I respect you so much. It's falling on their face saying, I'm going to die. Like I'm a dead man because I'm unclean and I'm in God's presence. And he's now going to kill me, you know, kind of thing. And so Job, right? Right. Job's just like, I have spoken and I was stupid in what I said. And he's just like, well, brace yourself like a man. We're going for another three chapters here, Job. Right, right. Right. Yeah. What does he say? Who darkens my, yeah. What does he say? Who darkens my presence without understanding? The counsel of my wisdom without understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Where were you when I did this, this, that? I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, you think of Isaiah, you think of John. Yeah. You think of John and, and the book of revelation. I mean, so 
when you see these false, this is, this is the COVID talking. When you see these false <laughs> teachers, when you see these false teachers, you know, talking about their casual conversation with, with God in the bathroom mirror, you know, yeah. like, oh, the Lord came and visited me today and things like that. It's like 10 minutes in your Bible tells you that that is not, that is not the case at all. Uh, and so this healthy fear, and I think if we really grasped it, like, and I'm, I'm preaching to myself, if we really grasped the fear of God, how many sins would that drive out of our lives? Mm-hmm. I mean, just oh, absolutely the, drive. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the, the fear of God is absolutely integral in human ethics. Right. Like, right. <laughs> like what you just, you said in the very beginning, there's things I didn't do because I was scared of this. Like it's, oh, yeah. right. we're, we're, we're built to understand fear and respect of boundaries. Right. And somehow in our culture, we have completely lost the boundary of what it, of divinity, oh, of absolutely. what it means for judgment and wrath. Like, right. You know, I'll, I'll share this. This is one of the main reasons I'm a, I became a Calvinist. Like it was one of the, it was maybe the most convincing thing to me because when I, when I, when I read Romans nine and I finally got what it was saying, mm-hmm. it was the first time in my life I read the Bible and I was like, that is a God like that. Like, not a god, but God. Like, right, the this god. Is, yeah. This is the describing right. of God. Right. All powerful, mighty, majestic, sovereign, mm-hmm. omnipotent. Like the things that you think of. Holy, yeah. In, yeah. Holy. Like, yeah, this is yep. God. Because before my shallow Christianity, it was like Buddy Jesus. Like, I, it was yeah, all I right, knew. Right. You know what I mean? But it, that was very shallow. Got, you know, oh, well, everyone was scared of God in the Old Testament, but now we got Jesus. And, right, right. Oh, we love each other. Oh, let's yeah. go sing. Yeah, those two those um, two images, you know? those two cultural images of buddy Jesus and then, you know, God as the doddery old man in heaven that just, you know, wants, he's wringing his hands and he wants yeah. things to work out, but, oh, oh people I wish are going to make their intervene. I wish I could do something here. There goes you know? Blake again. Yeah, right, right. So, you know... So those two images of God, look how damaging those have been in cultural, like in Western cultural church, you know, culture, I guess. Yeah. I I would say, because I think, because I think we were a a heavily dominated Christian influence society as it were, like Christian, Judeo-Christian society as it relates to morals, right? For the longest time. Right. But because we've been so soft. Right. The church has been so soft and I'll say the fear of God, morality, not preaching the gospel, right. liberalism, all these right. things that we've just, we've not fenced what we should. Right. The culture has fallen, I mean, it's completely fallen Right, away. right. And when you yeah. remove God, any ethics that you had laid out, doesn't, they don't make any sense. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. if there's no, if there's no ultimate authority and then it just becomes subjective, obviously. So now you get into these, stra- I mean, obviously looking, I mean, turn on the television. You know, yeah. or don't. Yeah. Well, don't. you look at Romans, <laughs> Romans 3. I mean, he encapsulates unbelief very perfectly by just sim- simply saying there is no fear of God before their eyes. Right. And yeah. that yeah. is what everything that you're looking at today, everything that you've looked at throughout all of history has literally been the fruit of that reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, and, and yeah, it's, it's a great point, Grayson. Uh, great, great point. If when you remove the fear of God from a culture, you can justify anything. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yep. And we're seeing it play out. Yep. So returning to a high and holy view of God that produces right fear in our lives individually, 
uh, will then produce fear of God in our homes, which will produce fear of God in our churches, which then should produce fear of God in our communities, in our cult, you know, in our local communities. And uh, before we know it, we're living in post mill America. How about that? <laughs> Let's go. Right. I'm ready. <laughs> I saw Jack getting excited, lips Jack's quivering like, a little bit for know. crown and covenant. <laughs> 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 You know what I actually thought about was that take the Holy Troopers land. meme. I'm doing my part. That's what I thought. Oh, yeah, right, right. Yeah. 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 It ain't much, but it's honest work. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> We've just now devolved into a meme podcast. So Yeah, exactly. Which yeah. <laughs> is quote memes to each yeah. other. Right. That's all we do. Yeah. So when we're looking at all that, what we're trying to say in short is that we have to understand who God is. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, God has revealed himself for who he is in scripture. And so when we look at this God and we see him, we behold him in his majesty, in all his glorious attributes, that is a way of reorienting our hearts and mind to what is true, to therefore then put our trust in this one who is the sovereign God or who is the God who provides, who is the God who is our keeper and comforter. Um, in every aspect, right. I think of these different attributes that scripture has revealed over and over again and this was a source of confidence and hope that these men had. Consider David in Psalm right. 62, right? He He's literally being hunted down by men. And this is David's life routinely. Um, I preached a series of sermons on the Psalms, and I can tell you David's always in trouble um, or at the mountaintop experience of joy, right? But when he's in trouble, every single time what he is doing, especially in Psalm 62, you find in 12 verses, he he lists 12 different attributes of God that he clings to in the midst of this trying situation. So if you were to read it, you can see it. You can follow along with it. But you see, he calls God his rock. God is his salvation. God is his stronghold. God is the very source of his strength. God is the one who brings him honor or the source of his honor. He is the one that David can trust in at all times. He is the one who hears his prayers. He is the eternal one. He is the truthful one, the faithful one, the all-powerful or omnipotent one, the just judge of all the earth or all men. Uh, and so every which way you see David just reorienting his mind around this God who is. So when he's looking at men who are chasing him down, trying to kill him, he need not fear. Why? Not because these men aren't trying to kill him any less, but because he serves this God. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Reminded of uh, uh, the words of Christ in, in Luke 12, 4 through 5. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. And after that, have nothing more they can do. But I warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has authority to cast you into hell. Yep. Yeah, there's not much you can add to that, right? Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. 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 But but David got that. Like he cl- clearly he got that. He's like, you can kill me, but I have I have God. Like I've got God with me. Yep. Yeah. Right. Well, and you see that so much with him. Uh, Psalm fifty six is another one where, again, men are trying to kill him, and it's that famous line. We've we've taught it to our kids, but. When I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. And he continues, in God, whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust, I shall not be afraid. So notice what he does here, right? He feels fear. It's a normal human reaction. But his resolve is to bring himself back to this God he trusts. 
in which God, the God right. whose word he praises. So he knows the word of God. Um, he knows who this God is that he can trust. And then he resolves, I shall not be afraid. It's, it's not a matter right. of David being this impervious guy who's never succumbed to fear, but rather he's given to self-counsel. He puts his hope right. and his trust where it belongs. Right. I think, it, and it's extra, it's extra poignant in Psalm 56 because David is writing this as he is a prisoner in Gath when the, you know, the Philistines, you know, collect him up and he gets out by acting mad and, and all that stuff. Uh, but in the heat of it, you know, it's always easy to look back, you know, and yeah. say like, oh, I yep. can see where the Lord got me through, you know, the entire time. Like, oh, I had no need for fear. But in the heat of the moment, I mean, you have David running for his life and his best thought. I mean, you want to see where David's at at this point in his life. His best idea is to go to Gath to hide from Saul, which is the hometown of Goliath. Oh, and by the way, he's also carrying Goliath's sword. Like, how does he hope to hide? Like, how does he hope to hide in that in that yeah. area? But like to him, like that's the best place to go. Uh, and so, obviously, he's captured. Uh, and then in that, he just writes this beautiful, "I will trust the Lord." And then in uh, Psalm thirty four is written about that same event. Mm-hmm. And so in Psalm 34, it's that taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, that's the looking back on that event saying, okay, I put my trust in the Lord and that was the right place to put it. Yep. And then he celebrates, obviously, uh, from that, for that uh, deliverance. So great. Yep. Yeah. Great, great couple of passages. Yeah. Well, that yeah. segues right into the next point in reality where, I mean, not only do you know who God is, but you know that he is a God who saves, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, in, in both a spiritual and and physical sense, like in clearly for yeah. our salvation, but also he's delivered people. Does like that we, mean I'm always? Sure. Does that mean I'm always going to be brought out of my my hardship? Eventually, well, right? Eventually, yeah, that's a good way of because it. eventually <laughs> you'll die, <laughs> right? Right? The Joel Osteen Lakeland picture. Yeah, right. <laughs> well. I right. hear from someone. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, but, again, because we, we're short, so we get short-sighted. Yeah. And anybody who tells you, I think one of you guys posted something on the page just very recently, this this last couple of days, that pertained to this. That anybody that tells you, you know, that, that God's going to deliver you from all of your troubles or whatever is, like, that's not your theological friend. That's that's a liar. Uh, but we look, but we look, and we have such a short... um vision of life or it's easy to to do that and say, well, God's not delivering me from my problems. In fact, my problems seem to be getting worse out of the frying pan into the fire situations. A lot of Christians deal with those things. Um, but the ultimate deliverance is that one day you cross death's door, obviously, and every everything's made right. You know, all injustice, all injustices are are met out uh, correctly, uh, and then you have an eternity ahead of you. Uh, and so, on this whole thing that God, you know, the God saves, of course, in the spiritual sense, and He does save in the physical sense many mm-hmm. times. But sometimes that salvation will even come through, you know, the sword point, you know, for the yep. martyr, <laughs> uh, and and other things like that. Well, my son was just talking about, uh, he's reading Eusebius's church history for class, and he was talking about Polycarp. Um, 
Polycarp's one of my favorite. That's, that's really advanced for a first grader. Yeah, he's pretty <laughs> wicked smart. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not in first grade. Um, he's uh, kinder- now you now you just ruined yeah. the now yeah <laughs> kindergarten yeah right right. He's a half day pre K right now, yeah. and they're working through yeah yeah. Uh, but we were talking about Polycarp. Where I mean, the guy's a uh, almost ninety year old man. So I I always picture like a you know. J.I. Packer or John MacArthur, some guy like that, who's got the Roman Legion coming to his door, and he said, "Come on in, I'll feed you, and then let me pray for you." And then they're like, "Well, we got to take you to the Colosseum because you're going to get killed." Um, right. Can I have some Christian time to pray? Faith. Yeah, yeah. Right, and he's yeah. like, he takes yeah. an hour to pray, prays for them. Right. He's just a, a kind-hearted, gentle Christian man. But then he gets to the Colosseum, and they look at him as the Christian. They're saying, "You need to denounce your atheism." And he looks at the crowd and waves a hand and goes, away with the atheists. Um, I mean, that's a man who literally has no fear of men before him. He knows he's going to die. He's an old, frail man. But he's standing there and he's looking at it and saying, okay, I'm going to be burned at the stake. I might be devoured by the lions. And yet I know within my heart of hearts that God has always been faithful. And so I will never renounce Christ. How could I? God will carry me swiftly into this next life. Right. So you have this based old 90 year old man who stands yeah. before the Legion and just basically tells him you repent, right? Your it's, time is out. Yeah. It's just, it's rem- it's reminiscent of what Paul says and what so many martyrs have said, uh, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. Amen. It's like, what do I, like, what do I have to fear from you? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Kill me and send me to heaven? Ooh, yeah. you know? Right? Oh, no. <laughs> right, right. Oh, don't do it, you know? Yeah. So, But so, what if we got that, though? Yeah. Like, as a church. So that... As a, as a generation, what if we really got that? Yeah. I hope we as do. As a generation. In yeah. my mind, in my mind, that's the... And we might have discussed this before. I don't, my brain's kind of foggy. In my mind, that's the easy part. Well, it's here's the easy where I part. Would- it's was, uh, you. Yeah, if they, they if they take you, if they take you and say you know, re, you know, recant or or die, that's an easy decision. Hmm. You know, it's like well, send send me away. Where it becomes vastly more complex, at least in my mind, is you know now they've got your wife and children, and they say, you know, recant or you know turn or you know turn from Christ, reject Christ, or we're gonna you know torture your family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that kind of thing has happened, you know? Oh yeah. And that's like an extreme end of fear of man versus fear of God. Uh, and in that moment, it makes the, you know, standing up to my coworker uh, for blaspheming. I mean, it's, it's, it's so incomparable. And yet again, we just get, we just get bogged down in this little world that we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, if we don't consider, you know, the things that our brothers and sisters in the history and, you know, and today in, in various places in the world, uh, are up against, yep. I often wonder how many of us have a martyr complex and think that we're so persecuted and so trodden down. And when we get to heaven, they're going to be like slapping us along the head. Like what's the matter with you guys? Yeah. You know, I lost my entire family for the faith and you cried for 30 minutes cause someone gave you the finger when they cut you off, you know? And you had a, 
you had an I love Jesus bumper sticker, so you must yeah, have been persecuted, like you, you know. And you earned it. Right, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got to move, you got to move over. You got to move yep. over. Yeah. Well, that's where I would say, I mean, for any of you listeners out there, if you haven't read Eusebius's Church History or even Fox's Book of Martyrs, um, those are books well worth picking up and reading because you, you actually have accounts of these different stories of things like that happening or even less severe, mm-hmm. but it has an, it's an oddly encouraging way to be able to look at people that have gone before you and see right. where the stakes have never been higher and yet they endured. Right. They were given a grace that I think only a martyr can get in those scenarios. But at the same time, um, these were men and women who were faithful and seeking to just simply show what it looked like to um, not only live for Christ, but die for Christ right. when the stakes were highest. Right. If I remember right, doesn't like Fox's Book of Martyrs, like just a couple pages in, I think it opens with like a nine year old, you yeah. know, dying yep. for the name of Christ and the Colosseum, you know? Yep. Yeah, there's all sorts of really brutal stories. I mean, yeah. There's one, I can't remember where, where it happened. It was either Russia or Serbia or something like that, where people are being um, marched out onto the ice and stripped down. Oh, yeah. Naked. Yeah. And. As the soldiers are holding them at um, gunpoint, essentially, one of the soldiers then repents and confesses Christ then and there, strips down naked and gets along with them and dies with them. And it's right. just like, good grief. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine being in that scenario, but also um, the sheer bravery of that type of a man who is literally killing others and then saying no. Right. Um, Not going to find that in a Joel Osteen sermon. And that is the secret phrase. The first person to put (laughs) not going to find that in a Joel Osteen sermon. Ooh, that works really well. Hopefully a bunch of people will write that, and then people read the comments, and they're like, oh, what are they referring to? Yeah. (laughs) Boom. Jack, you are a marketing genius. There he goes. I actually just looked at the clock and it's like, yeah, right, it's right. We're, we're pretty much out of right. time. Kind of shoehorn that in there. Well, let's just say this is a little extra long episode. We can dedicate some time to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, moving moving on. Next point, which was I've lost my spot in my notes here. I think we're yeah, we're on C. We were. So how then do we annihilate the fear of man and come to trust in God as we actually should? Oh yeah, yeah. So here's the yep. yeah. So here's the big yeah, hitters here. For sure. Uh, so yeah. for one, we need to recognize that mankind, uh, in his, is, in his true condition, he is, uh, finite. He is sinful. Uh, and that God promises to judge. Uh, they only have so much power and so much ability to do anything. And none of it is outside of God's will. So you're taking all these aspects of God's sovereignty then, and they need to press in. And we need to remember that the people that we're afraid of, that God literally gives them their next breath, you know. Yep. So they are just as weak uh, as <laughs> as we are. Again, the kings, are, yeah. the kings are as, as nothing uh, to the Lord. So if the Lord is allowing this, the Christian mindset is, is if the Lord is allowing this thing to happen, or he is bringing me into this trial, he means it for his glory and for my good. So how will I respond then in obedience? And it is also helpful to remember that 
when there is a persecutor involved, you know, whether it's again, a coworker, a, a you know, your, your atheist cousin at Thanksgiving, whatever. Uh, it is also helpful to remember that in these situations, there's a dual purpose or a, really a, a trifold purpose going on in God's glory, in your betterment and in their condemnation mm-hmm. uh, or their, or their repentance, but everything is working out perfectly. Again, God works all things for good to those who know Christ and are called according to his purpose. Yep. Um, yeah. I can't remember what psalm yeah, so, it is. I want to say it's in the 40s. Um, David, again, has people persecuting him, and he he describes his persecutors as he looks out and sees them as a tall oak right there, um, overshadowing everything, and then... Um, Basically, the, the gist of it is that they seem like they are in control of everything. They're the, the rich, the powerful, everything. Um, and yet he says he looked and they were gone. So that that aspect of just complete vanity <laughs> right, where right. Um, they mm-hmm. may seem like a big, tall tree. And yet at a certain point, big trees fall hard. Right. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. So the, the first thing is, we, so we just need to recognize what mankind really is. Secondly, we need to recognize who God really is. Uh, that God's thoughts uh, of us are are far more important than what anyone else's thoughts are. Uh, and in the end, we need to be uh, convinced that this is actually true. That for most of us, what makes the eternal difference, uh, or for all of us, but in most of us, uh, most of our lives playing out, is what God knows of us and what we know of God. The fact that we know God. I mean, think about it. Your enemies right now, um, in 200 years, nobody will even know their name. And nobody will know your name in 200 years, probably. You know, uh, you'll well, be a, a distant memory. You'll be on a, you know, maybe a, a, a smudge on the family tree. And, and, and yet Christ will know your name. And yet Christ will know your name, right? And yet God will know all the ins and outs and all of the workings of your life and all of the obediences and disobediences and your trust in Jesus and all of those things. So again, weighing those things out, who is man? Man is nothing. Who is God? God is, is everything. And in the end, uh, we need to be convinced that that is actually true. And if we just believe this as we should, um, it will have many ramifications in our lives. You want you guys want to take that <clears throat> third point? Go ahead, Jack. Yeah. Well, I quoted the verse earlier, but you know, Ma- <clears throat> Matthew 10, 28, um, you know, you thinking about that, we need to remind ourselves of that and what the God, what God's word says to us over and over, but I'll read it again. Uh, do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul rather feel fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and body and hell. And the wonderful thing about the context in this verse is that uh, the surrounding context deals with what most people would be afraid of when Christ tells them they'll be killed and tortured on account of bringing the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think every last one of us, if we heard these words from Christ, I mean, we would be afraid. Uh, picture it now. It's like we're afraid to go tell our coworkers about the gospel. Um <laughs> When they might not want to join us for lunch the next couple of days. Right, right. So imagine then Christ saying, you will be killed on my account or, you know, your family will betray you on my account. Mm. Um, 
But the beautiful thing about that whole passage is that in the midst of that, he then promises them that um, God even cares for the sparrows, right? Not one of them falls apart from his sovereign care or will. And the promise then built into it is how much more so does he then care for those who are his children? But I think of the, the parallel passage also on, on fear in Matthew 6. There's just those other things that we also become afraid of, the, the normal aspects of life. What do we eat? What are we going to wear tomorrow? Uh, the basic provisions that he talks about there. Mm-hmm. But the principle is exactly the same. Christ tells the disciples that God cares for them more than even the sparrows. And so when I think of Matthew 6 and Matthew 10 together, right, those two parallel passages, he gives us two times an example of the birds of the air. And my question when I'm looking at something like that is, okay, why? Why does he give two examples that are dealing with different ends of fear on the spectrum that we all fall on um, and yet use the sparrows? Well, again, it kind of goes back to that idea of what we were talking about, where we see who God is and the fact that God saves, right? Both place a focus on God's ability to provide and to save us. So they focus on who God is. They focus on the fact that God saves, that even though um, we might be tempted to be concerned about the everyday aspects of life or the enemies that surround us, uh, if we know who God is and we know what he does and what he has promised to do, we have no legitimate reason to fear. That's not mm-hmm. saying that things won't come up that won't give you reason to be afraid, mm-hmm. but it is saying that ultimately we have one we can trust who is far above all of those different things. Amen. Amen. Well said. I got a quote for you. I jotted this down. I couldn't find a place to sprinkle it in earlier, so I'll just kind of say it. Cherry on the top yeah. coming here. But there's a little cherry on the top. Yeah. Very short, but William Gurnall, I think I'm saying his name right. <coughs> Gurnall. We... F- <clears throat> You okay? Sorry, I choked on water. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get the quote out, and you're like, "Oh my god, wow, it's amazing!" Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's like we need not fear drinking water. Yeah, right. As I just die. What a camera. beautiful picture of our own weakness, Grayson just yeah, displayed no for us right there. <laughs> Choking on one of the necessities of life. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, he said, we fear man too much because we fear God so little. Mm-hmm. That was really good. Yep. I got another one here. We, and those, we things, have, those sort of, things have to be directly proportionate. I mean, you know. that They do, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just. Yeah. Like, you can't fear God and fear and fear man. Yep. Yeah. So the more you've got that, you know, in yeah. the. the yeah, <laughs> right. That's the perfect way to describe it. The the, it's the scale. Seesaw. That's exactly yeah. what I was thinking too. I just yeah, didn't know yeah. how to uh, bring it out. It's the COVID. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. You're, um, you a free pass. Right. <laughs> That's your free. Jack pass, came yeah. in clutch with the uh, physical. You know. <laughs> yeah, that thing. The, the teeter totter. This thing. Yeah, I don't know right, what it right. is, but this thing. Um, another one here. We talked about this earlier. I thought this was a really great quote that I that I scoured the interwebs for. Uh, for people today. I harvested this quote from David Wells, God in the Wasteland. He said, the fundamental problem in in the evangelical world today is not inadequate technique, insufficient organization, or antiquated music. 
and those who want to squander the church's resources, bandaging these scratches will do nothing but staunch the flow of blood that is spilling from its true wounds. The fundamental problem in the evangelical world today is that God rests too inconsequentially upon the church. His truth is too distant. His grace is too ordinary. His judgment is too benign. His gospel is too easy. And his Christ is too weak. Yep. That one, man. That's a quote. That's a quote. That's one of those Um, ones that makes you think you've never had an intelligent thought. I I know. (laughs) That's literally what I was thinking of throughout that. I'm like, I thought that I was (laughs) doing okay here, but. Yeah. Right. Well. Maybe we could just scratch the podcast, and one of us will just read that quote, right? Yeah, and that'll be like the podcast. Yeah, right, right. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. Then another, another kind of a couple text. uh, A fear. uh, I thought we. I don't think we quoted this, but I I think it's a great text on this subject. But Hebrews Hebrews ten thirty one. It's a fearful, a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Mm -hmm. Just in the context of fear and how we're to review uh, God. But anyway, those are the last little footnotes i had yeah excellent so um anything else no um well yes i say no um if i could give you a small bit of encouragement if you're listening to this and you're you're just realizing there's all sorts of different ways where you failed um the whole point of what we're trying to drive you towards is not to feel this sense of complete inadequacy, but recognize whatever station of life you may find yourself in, there's always temptation to fear improperly. So all we're trying to do is say, go back to the one that you should fear and the one that you should revere and place your hope and trust back in him. And if you have to do that 17 times a day in order to just get your mind and heart in the place where it should be, keep doing that. That's okay. Um, When you stop, And when you fail to come back to the word of God and put your hope and trust in Christ is that's when you're in trouble. So if I can at least give you that small bit of encouragement, you might be the person who's given to fear. The question is not if you will fear, but when you fear, who will you put Mm -hmm. your trust in? What will you do with it? Yeah. I think, dude, this is a wonderful opportunity for uh, assessment, letting, you know, God's word and the Holy spirit, run through your, uh, your life and being able to just ask in these different, you know, compartments of your life, you know, do I, do I fear God? Is the fear of God evident in my relationships? Is it evident in my finances? Is it evident in my workplace? Is it evident in how I spend my time? Is it evident in the things that I think about and dwell on? Uh, and so on and, and so forth. I think if we sat and took, um, some serious, uh, what's the word? Introspection. Account. Yeah, it's just some serious account of of our lives just through that filter uh, that each of us would rejoice at the grace of Christ in our life and uh, be motivated uh, toward greater sanctification and fear of God and bravery toward <laughs> toward men, hmm. I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Well said. That was All that right. was the COVID. <laughs> any, like positive the COVID. Con- <laughs> any positive any positive contribution more often. Lake has made from the very beginning of the podcast <laughs> all COVID. <laughs>
Ha, 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 ha.